Amen. Great things he has done and is doing. It's been a good day. And uh, I hope that I can give God glory by sharing my testimony. I don't know that I ever did it in quite this type of setting, but I am happy to do that. If I can bring God glory and encourage someone here with what God did with in my life. <clears throat> also, I hope that I can say it in such a way that I won't look anyone, make anyone look bad in my background. So my prayer is that I could speak carefully about that because I think they did the best they knew to do. And so I hope I can say it in such a way that is pleasing to the Lord and also the, the way that brings least attention to me. So before I get started, I'd like to pray. Thank you, Lord. It's been a, it's been a nice journey, Lord. It's been 38 years. Thank you, Lord, for being merciful to me and bringing me to the light. I thank you for that. God, it's not been easy, but I thank you that you were always faithful. And I'm here today because of your mercies, dear God. I'm here today because of your mercies and your blessings, God, and, and the, uh, the input of many people in my life, Lord, and how they spoke into my life and guided me and, and inspired me and, and uh, exhorted me along the way. God, I thank you for that. Many of them, more than I could number today. Thank you for brothers and, and sisters and church fellowship that, that uh, marked the path of my life. Lord, and I stand here today to say I have no regrets that I gave my heart to you back when I was 18 years old. Oh, God. And maybe, maybe I would have a few where I could have done better and done more. But as far as, as the Christian life, Lord, I, I have no regrets that I became a, a Christian. I thank you for that, Lord. So, Father, help me as I talk about a few details in my life that I could say it in such a way that brings you the glory, gives you the glory. You are the one that changes men's hearts and changes men's lives, and it's not of ourselves, Lord. Thank you for parents that feared the Lord. I pray, oh God, that, that the, the good things they taught me and in, in, uh, instilled into me, Lord, that I would never forget those things, oh God. And Lord, I, I just pray for your help as I share in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, testimonies I think are good. Paul as you well know, shared his testimony a few times. And there's more testimonies recorded in the Bible of how the Lord came upon individuals and changed their lives. And uh, Paul got that opportunity to share a few times of how the Lord arrested his attention when he was off on a bad way, persecuting God's people. And struck him down there with a, with a light and got Paul's attention. And Paul's, one of Paul's first words were, what shall I do, Lord? What shall I do? And Paul was never the same. So I hope I can say it in such a way here today that that is a blessing. I was raised in... Uh, New Holland, Pennsylvania, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and a, in a uh, old order Mennonite setting, horse and buggy Mennonite setting. I was one of seven children, the third born. I had an older sister and an older brother, and then uh, four younger siblings, one younger brother and three younger sisters. And I'd say we were a normal Mennonite family, 
dad was a very kind man. He, uh, I don't ever remember dad being angry. Well, not really. I mean, he, yeah, he had a few times that he probably lost his timbre, but it was not a big problem with dad. Dad was a very kind man, but he was also, along with that, very, very to himself. He, he did not open up much about his own life, very little, and for sure didn't, didn't reach out and, and uh, pursue us in a deep way. He kept it to himself very much in his, in his, uh, in his spiritual journey. Um, memories I have of dad would be reading the Bible probably most every night, but just to himself. And uh, periodically mom wanted him to read out loud, and he, he did a few times, but dad never took the initiative to teach, instruct, inspire us that way. And probably partly because that's how he was taught. You, you were taught not to, not, to, not to talk much about your faith. It, that was looked upon as, as pride. And uh, you, the, the big thing that they pushed was you, you live out what you believe. You try and live it out. So dad did that, I think, very, very well. He was a very, very good church member. And uh, that was very important to him. And... Uh, but it didn't, it didn't do too much for us young, wild Mennonite boys. Uh, me and my brother both, we, we weren't exceedingly rebellious, I would say, but we had, we had a good dose of it. We, we, wanted, we, we, we were in life to have a fling. And, uh, and I'm sure that cost mom and dad some grief, but... Uh, like I said, they tried to do the best they, they knew how, which the teaching in that setting, of course, was German, and none of us children really learned German well, never went to German school. The only German I would have learned is what I heard on Sunday, and uh, so there was no effort made to teach us the German language. We would have spoke Pennsylvania Dutch, which some of that crossed over, but you really didn't catch what you should for such an important thing. And not only was it not understood, but some of the teaching back then, 38 years ago, I, I believe probably some of that has changed, but you know, they they would they would not they would they would not teach assurance of salvation. They would actually teach against that, that you would again there would be you would be proud to say that you know that, uh, that you're a Christian. And, uh, and that was due probably to, to the once saved, always saved doctrine that floated around or people that got spiritual and then left the church. So they really had a hard time with that kind of, of talking, that you could have a testimony of salvation and a changed life. And even though some would preach that you, you need to be born again, but when, you know, to, 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 pick out people or to know people that would have a, a, a testimony was super rare. And, uh, and sometimes when people got spiritual and they got enlightened, and I'm not sure where this all came from, but they often connected that with they're, they're losing it. They're going crazy or they've read the Bible too much, and so they would actually warn against reading the Bible too much. You would just do what the church says and, and you'll be fine. Be a good, obedient church member. And so that's what my dad heard in his lifetime. In fact, he had an older brother that was a bishop and, a, and also an older brother that was a preacher. And so, uh, and I, I, I think I can remember them saying those kinds of things. Audible prayer, prayer meetings, those things were none non-existent they they that was forbidden only the preacher would pray out loud and uh, so so it was a it was a fairly dark setting in that sense but you know there was a lot of good people there nice people community people and there was indeed a lot of good about them moving ahead to when i was 82 to uh 
when I was 18 years old, uh, in the pretty much the, probably the wild time of my life, uh, my girlfriend and I, which is Rachel now, we had started dating at that point, sometime after I turned 18, I believe. I might have been 18 and a half or so. And I also, well, yeah, let me just continue on with that. That, that didn't last very long till we hit a, hit a wall. It came up against issues and that relationship was broken off. And we were no longer dating. And at the same time, I had a, a night job cleaning a um, kitchen cabinet factory in town at night cleaning up the the shop when the guys weren't there. And and there must have been a Christian there, and he left uh, gospel tracts on the, on the uh, break room table. And one of those was the chick track, This Was Your Life track. Some of you might be familiar with that. And uh, that caught my attention. And partly probably because, I think I'm not, I might be getting some of the timing mixed up here, but it was over that time... Uh, I, I'm not sure if our relationship had broken up yet or not, but I had got a hold of that track, and that really brought conviction to me. I became under conviction, and along uh, that, along with her and I breaking off, our friendship really brought me to the bottom. And I think that's where God wanted me to be. So that's when I was 18 years old. I I went pretty low at that point and strangely I'm not sure how this young man came met me. I don't remember that detail. But a young man from that setting who had gotten converted, which I don't know that side of the story either, met up with me right over that time and started sharing the gospel with me and had a few tracks and and I was I was basically totally illiterate as far as the gospel went I, you know, I couldn't hardly tell you the difference between well I could between the old and new testament but I had very little knowledge of scriptures but uh when he started speaking to me about the gospel and and shared some more tracks with me I said, you know what, I, I just found the track like that not long ago, and I started sharing with him what, what's going on in my life, and, and he knew he had a fish on his line, and he was excited because he was a soul winner. And so, so a couple days later, we got together again. He invited me over to his house, and uh, up in his bedroom, he led me to the Lord. He he led me through repentance, confession of sins, and, uh, and I got up. I didn't know what had happened. I did not, well, he probably told me that I got born again, but I, of course, didn't know that terminology. But something was radically different in my life. Before that, I, I would blush to speak the name of Jesus. I couldn't hardly say that name that was for the religious people. You know, I was just, I was just nothing to do with, with religion. But that totally changed. God put in me a love for the Lord and, 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 a, and a love for, for the name of Jesus. I wanted to speak that name. I spoke that name. I started speaking that name. People didn't know. I didn't know what had happened to me. And people didn't know what had happened to me. But they knew something had happened to me. I started to want to pray, and that setting, you wore hats, and, and I, I, somehow I must have read in the scripture that men shouldn't be covered when they pray, so, so when I was working and wanted to pray, I would not wear my hat, and that was very strange. I don't, must have been the Lord, because no one told me not to do that. Well, that got my parents really concerned. They thought for sure, I'm losing it, There's, I'm going crazy. They really did. They got very concerned for me, and I can understand that. But for me, I was a new creation, a new creature. Old things had passed away. 
There were so many new things, I could hardly believe it. It was, it was, so, it was so wonderful. And all of a sudden, no one told me. I was convicted about things I had been doing. I was into country music and other things that young folks did. And I took a stand. I, I mean, just no one told me. I can't listen to this music anymore. Me and my buddies, we used to bike a lot, miles. We used to bike and we'd tote our radios and big old eight-track players back then, you know, the big ones, on our bikes. And I said... I'm not taking that on my bike because I didn't want to take it along because I knew what they'd, what they'd play. That was the Lord. The Lord was putting that in my heart and took a stand against other things that, that brought persecution or at least question in my life. And, and, and God so turned me, my heart toward, toward uh, my friends and my and my uh, peers, that I started getting a burden that others would, would have what, what I had found and uh, uh, started talking to them. Of course, not many at all understood and were questioning me and like, you know, whatever happened to Elvin? Did he, did he join the church? I remember some saying, Well, sad to say, the young man that, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but the young man that, that led me to the Lord was, was just on the verge of, of, of getting involved with, with, with the charismatic movement, and that eventually led to that, and we were part of that later on in life. I might come, up, come back to that a little later, but somewhere in there I met, some of you might know, Brother Aaron Hurst from, from Charity Christian Fellowship. He, I'm not sure who met who, but somewhere we crossed paths. And I think, if I remember right, I think he had heard that I had got born again. And he also had got born again not long before that. So I think he made an effort to cross my path. And so I I soon built a friendship with Brother Aaron very deeply. I was still at home, 18 years old. And that's one thing the Lord put in my heart pretty pretty quick, that I would pretty soon, that, that, that you know, I did I never felt like, like I could leave for all the all the bad things that I could point at and all the things that were wrong in the in the old order setting I, I, I didn't feel I could do that as a young man still under my dad's roof so so early on God gave me an honor and a respect for mom and dad as much as I as much as I could without violating my conscience at that point but my friendship grew with Aaron and, and some other believers, James Zimmerman and, and a number of those. We kind of had prayer meetings and house meetings together. That was before I or Aaron probably knew anything of charity, of the charity fellowship there in New Holland. We, back with the, the, the young man that led me to the Lord, we, we periodically had some secret prayer meetings, secret Bible studies and uh, I found my encouragement just by hanging around other believers like that for, for quite a while. Coming back to uh, about close to four years later, we, well, yeah, very important part here, I... Uh, I'm not sure I was going to ask my wife before I came up here how long it was from the time we broke up to the time that we got back together again, but I'm going to say a couple months or maybe half a year. I'm not sure. I really don't remember. But it was in that time that I got converted and pretty, pretty soon called her because she had a lot more spiritual light and enlightenment than I did. Quite a few of her, her siblings had gotten born again and converted and were with different churches. So I called her up and I, and I shared my testimony with her soon after I got converted, soon after I got born again. And, and it so happened that her older brother was there with her at the time. She had, she, yeah, 
long story. But anyway, you know, a wise old brother, knowing things about these young men that, that want their sister, he, he said, watch him. He just wants you back. He's playing games here, you know, with you. When she shared with him what I had told her, that I got born again and things are different now, you know, and the whole beautiful story. Well, he warned her, take it easy. Let's check this fella out. But something told her I'm different. She, she could tell it. And uh, eventually we got back to, together again. And uh, at the age of 21, almost 22 years old, I was when we, Rachel and I got married then. And throughout that time, we, you know, did some of that secret prayer meeting stuff and, and uh, different, some pretty far out things that I'd almost be ashamed to, to, to share here in our youthful zeal for the Lord. It was pretty radical. But anyway, we married in the old order setting. And I remember I was so zealous. I wanted a spiritual wedding, but it was all in the old order setting. And I prayed for my uncle, the bishop who was to marry us and, and different for the of course, the whole wedding. And I, I, I believe it was the best wedding that there ever was. <laughs> I think so. My, even the preacher preached spiritual that day. Well, yeah. Well, my desire for my people and my friends just continued to grow. And at this point, I had no desire to leave the old order setting. I had a desire to change the system, to convert as many people as possible, and eventually began to reach out and have small Bible studies at our house then and, and got involved in a prison ministry, which led finally led then to... That was probably the thing that led to our excommunication from the Old Order Church. The fact that we were getting too verbal with our faith, too preachy, and involved in this other ministry. They, they called us on the carpet one day and said that I would have to lay that down. And that, that always had been my prayer, too. I really desired that I would not, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't meet at a point for some carnal reason that they would have to excommunicate us. I wanted it to be for the Lord. And so that day they asked us to make the promise that we would, we would stop going with that ministry to prison. And I just felt in my youthfulness that this is, this is the Lord saying, you can't do that. You know, you can't promise not to go to prison. And I remembered the words that Jesus said that I was in prison and you visited me. And I just felt like this was, this was the time to leave and had such a peace about it. I felt it was, it was definitely God blessed. Uh, I think it was the time to do it and not before and probably not any later either. So then, Sometime after that, um, we left. That was about four years later after we were married that that happened. But, uh, yeah, it was around that time that it was not till after we were married that I was introduced to charity, which would have been sometime around 1988, I believe, Aaron stopped by and told us that there's some revival meetings going on there. And uh, that was the time when Wayne Weaver was there from Ohio, and they had revival meetings stretched out for three weeks. And it was just absolutely tremendous. We were just young Christians drinking this teaching in. It was tremendous. And it was a tremendous revival, and they kept extending them another week and another week till I think it went for three weeks, and we were right in the middle of that. That was a time Emmanuel Eshes came in from the Amish over that time and just a handful of people. Things just exploded over that time and that was such an exciting time. Uh, sometime after that, Denny preached the first home series and that was just, that was just tremendous. Yeah, just a tremendous time of growing. 
But we were, we were only there four years till, till, till they asked us to move here. And we're still here today, 20, 26 years later, but, but I would still say that was a little quick for, for them to send us out here. But they did. There was so much happening. I think they started like three or four churches that, that, that year here in Colorado and Texas and Wisconsin and maybe more that I don't have track of. But that was a very exciting time. But yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure that we were ready for something like this. We were so enjoying our time there. But of course, we, we wanted to, we wanted to do the Lord's will. And so we were willing along with a year later, Earl and his family came, and and right away, uh, Willie Holtman family came with us. So, and we moved here, where there had been, I don't know, six or eight families from this community asking for uh, for charity to start a church. So anyway, that brings me up to to here now, and uh, yeah. It's, like I said, I, I don't have any regrets for becoming a Christian. Not that I don't have any regrets in my Christian life, things that I did and said and mistakes that I made. But uh, the Lord is good. I would recommend him to anyone. He is very good. And uh, I want to give him the praise and the glory for everything he did in my life and for the wife that he brought into my life the stability and the blessing and the balance that she she is and for seven wonderful children. I'm just blessed, and I thank God for that. Uh, yeah, maybe just a word with my family. That was very, very difficult for my family. I'm the only one that to this day isn't, isn't old order horse and buggy Mennonite. All the rest still are. And uh, so that was a that was a major thing. It was major for me. After I finally decided to buy a, a car, I struggled with it so bad. I, I I backed out on the deal for a while. It was such a major deal. But we got past that, and uh, and that was a big deal for my family, especially for my parents. But. Thank God for mom. She was she was soon she soon decided she's not going to let this break up the family. She's not going to let this, you know, make a major rift here. So so it wasn't very long, maybe a year after that things became fairly comfortable around home and they they after a while even drove with us when, when they needed, rode with us when they needed a ride uh, for certain things. And I, and two, I think it helped that they saw that we weren't after the carnal things of life, which many times that's the case when people leave that old setting. They, they, they aren't ashamed to say they want a car or you know, a, a different lifestyle, but that was not our heart at all. And I think that came through. I, I believe it did that we wanted God. We wanted a godly family. We, we wanted a testimony for the Lord. And, and I, I think they saw that and, and uh, that helped them to, to accept the changes. So, oh, Amen. To God be the glory. I'm uh, I'm thankful that God brought us to to this place. I'm thankful God brought us to Iowa. It's been a it's been an interesting journey. Not easy, but I believe it's where God God wanted us to be. And so I don't know what the next thirty eight years hold, but Thy will be done, Lord. Thy will be done. I pray that I can get to see many more souls born again, changed. That is such a thrill, such a blessing. And uh, no, not all experiences are the same, but, but I have a passion that people experience the Lord and, 
in such a, in, 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 to such a degree that they, that they love him for touching their lives because he touched my life and I, I, I never got over it. I do love him. I would love him more, but I do love him. To God be the glory. that made sense. listen to testimonies sometimes you uh, hear things that are the same and you hear things that are different but through a testimony if it's a true testimony of the Lord's work in someone's life you're going to see a lot of similar threads running through it I saw that with Brother Elvins I think I'll just start here and say that uh, grew up in a, a way different setting uh my parents were Roman Catholic. We grew up in a Roman Catholic home. You could say it was religious, but not very real. We were regular church attenders. We weren't the type of Catholics that only show up there on uh, Christmas and Easter. We, were, we went every Sunday to Mass, and uh, children in our, in our family... Um, myself and uh, brothers and sister all attended Catholic school. So here we were, we grew up in this type of setting, and we weren't, like I said, we, we weren't a very religious family, never read the Bible. In fact, it wasn't encouraged either. I think the idea that was there as well, if you started reading the Bible, you might come up with some crazy ideas about God's Word. And so that wasn't encouraged at all. I remember one thing, uh, as I was thinking about this, came to me. I distinctly remember being, at the age of 12 or 13, uh, thinking about other churches, thinking about the the uh, Lutheran church, the Baptist church, the Methodist church. And I, I don't know if I knew what all different kind of churches were out there, but, but the thought came to me around that same time that, that uh, if, if the Catholic church was the true church, then what about all these other poor people who are in these other churches? Wouldn't God, you know, they're... They're wrong. They're not in the right church. Wouldn't God have mercy on them? I was trying to figure that all out. How does that all work? This is the true church. What about those poor people out there? I remember around that same time, at that age, the, the uh, priests would come around and there would be kind of an encouragement there for, for boys of 13, 12, 13, 14 years old to be thinking about you know, whether or not you wanted to serve God. Because the only way to serve God was to be a priest, you see. If you, if you weren't a priest, you weren't really serving God. You were just a congregant. You were a member of the church, but you really couldn't serve God. Those who really wanted to serve God would be a priest. And so at that age, the idea of going to the priesthood was already being encouraged. And I had a desire to serve God. I, I, I seriously thought about it. You know, would this be something... For me, unfortunately or fortunately, not sure which, at that time I also decided that I like girls. I mean, that kind of happens. And to be a priest, you couldn't get married. You just, priests don't marry. 
And seriously, that just that factored into it. And I did have this desire to serve God. So there was this kind of this war going on, and well, I didn't enter the priesthood. Moving ahead some years, uh, stayed in the Catholic Church. Uh, growing up, when I was, uh, I can't remember what exactly age it was, I met uh, Kathy, and uh, we dated. I'm not sure how long it was, a year and a half, maybe it was two years, can't remember exactly. We were married young, and we, we attended the, the Catholic uh, premarital classes. Uh, we did do that. And uh, there were some good things there, actually. Can't say the Catholic Church is all bad. Mostly bad, but not all. And so, at 19, I was married to Kathy. She was 18. And uh, within a few years, we had our first child. And uh, two, three years later, we had another one. And so here we were, this young family, uh, still attending the Catholic Church, still being involved in the Catholic Church, and now sending our children to Catholic school, following that same pattern, following that same religious pattern. I remember, and this would have been in 1990. By that time, I was 33 years old. Uh, the Catholic church that we were attending held some, not sure what to call it, except they, they were like revival meetings. Catholic revival meetings. Never heard of such a thing. But they had some, some Catholic monks, you know, uh, brothers... These priests from a monastery come in and have some uh, preaching. And they preached on subjects that were you know, dear to the Catholic Church. One of them being, uh, well, it was child raising. Was was kind of in there, but it was, it was promoting the idea of, of large families. And at the time, we still only had two children. And we thought maybe that's all we would have. Of course, you know, that's, a, that's one of the concepts of the world that we had picked up. You know, the, our experience, and I think it's probably the same experience of many Catholics, is you can, you're in the Catholic Church, you identify with the Church, you're a member of the Church, but it really doesn't affect how you live your life. You, you, you don't do a whole lot different than the heathen neighbor next door. I mean, you, you can go to the tavern. You can engage in all kinds of activities that uh, would be ungodly. And be there on Sunday morning. Maybe you'd go to confession once in a while even. But you didn't really live your life a whole lot different than the heathen next door. Well, we went to these revival meetings. And... Kathy and I would both say that that our hearts were stirred. There was something happened. We it seemed like we got a little more of a desire for the things of God, and it, we the, we were impressed. God was making an impression on us. I wouldn't say a whole lot of things changed after that, although my wife did get pregnant after that. And so we were expecting our third child. It was around that time that, uh, or during the, that time of our lives, I went through a number of job changes over a period of two years. I think I worked at five or six different places in two years' time. That's a lot of job changing. And uh, a lot of those situations weren't, weren't my choice. The layoff, uh, labor dispute. Anyway, I ended up working, finally working at Briggs and Stratton in Milwaukee. Third shift, I worked in the maintenance department. Uh, 
uh, working as a pipe fitter. And I met a man there who was an electrician. His name was Jerry. He also worked in the maintenance department, third shift with me. And uh, this guy was different. I mean, he, you could tell just by looking at him, definitely by the way he spoke. You know, he, he never cussed. He never swore like everybody around me was doing. And I'm sure I did some of it too. Maybe I want to just forget it all. But he was different. He, you could say that he was an example of a Christian who, to use the term, he walked the talk. He just didn't say things and it wasn't real. He walked the talk. And so I was very impressed by, by him. And he began, over a period of time, began sharing with me things of the Lord. Turns out that he was a former Catholic as well. So he knew, knew how to minister. He knew where I was coming from, so to speak. Knew what I believed. And uh, so he began sharing over a period of time. I remember one morning... I say morning, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. We'd been having a bit of a conversation and talking about the things of God and family and whatever. Just, but he, he, he intermingled uh, his testimony and, and talked about the things of God in, in our conversations and, and slowly worked on me. And then one evening, or one morning, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it was just about 3 o'clock in the morning, he was talking with me. And he asked me this question. He said, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? Nobody had ever asked that question of me before. Nobody. What a question to ask. Well, I replied, I I hope I can go to heaven. I mean, I thought I was a pretty good person. I thought I was a pretty good Catholic He said, well, there is a way you can know. Well, I got scared. This guy was getting pretty personal. And, uh, you know, I kind of had the idea that there's two things that people shouldn't talk about. One is religion. Two is, what do you think? Politics. Politics. Money, personal finances. There's a lot of people. We can talk about a lot of things. We can't talk about that. But anyway, so he was he was touching this the the religion button and and uh, well, then he said, uh, "Do you want to know God? Do you want to be saved?" And I thought, "Saved from what?" Well, saved from the wrath of God was the answer. I wanted to say, say to him, let's, can we just talk about this some other time? Now's not a good time. It's three o'clock in the morning. You know, maybe we could talk, do this some other place, some other time. I was trying to put him off, you know. And then he said this. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And I don't know what happened, but I know now what happened. But just then, in an instant, those words convinced me. Those words convinced me. I didn't know that that was scripture. He said it. And it was, it was the power of God through his word that spoke. There's power in God's word. I mean, if he had kept trying to convince me, I don't think, maybe it wouldn't, but, but to speak directly to me 
and say these words, something happened. And I said, okay, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And so I surrendered. And we, we knelt down by his workbench at 3 o'clock in the morning at Briggs and Stratton in Milwaukee. And I said, you know, Jerry, I don't really know how to pray. You know how we, we Catholics pray, I told him. I said, he, he said, I, I know. I'll help you through it. And so we prayed together. We prayed together as workbench at 3 o'clock in the morning. So I prayed, and he prayed, and just before he was done praying, he asked God, Lord, would you give us a confirmation? Would you, would you just show us your power? Now, he's a Baptist. He wasn't a charismatic, you know. I didn't know what all that meant. But one thing I felt, I felt like a weight had been lifted off. Now, I want you to understand something. I didn't know anything about what it meant to be born again. I don't, I don't, I don't remember that I ever said, you just got born again. You just got converted. He didn't say any of that. But I just knew that something was different. And so... Uh, Oh, one thing he told me, he said, uh, now don't leave the Catholic Church. He said, you stay there until the Lord directs you to go some, someplace else. Until the, the Lord directs you to do something else. What a thing to say. I mean, he should have invited me to his, to his Baptist church, right? No, that was exactly the right thing to say. Because my wife, who was Catholic, would think I went off my rocker. That we're going to leave the Catholic Church. Well, that same morning, just, just a short time later, there was, a, there was a lightning storm. An incredible storm came through the area. This maybe was at 4 o'clock in the morning or something. I don't know. But during this storm, I mean, the, the, the thunder and the lightning, you know, it's dark. And you could just see it. The, the, it was... As light as day outside. And then the power went out. Now the power isn't supposed to go out. They got backup generators. And if the power would go out, the generator is supposed to automatically come on. And at least you have lighting in the plant. But it didn't happen. And we were in the dark. And I couldn't help but thinking, sitting here in the dark. Power of God. This is the power of God. When I got home that morning, I told Kathy, something happened. I don't know how to explain it. I don't have words. Something happened. But I know this. I need to get a Bible. I need to get a Bible. Somehow I got a King James Bible. Kathy thought he got religious like me because my wife was more religious than I was I can use that phrase I guess she was a little more religious she even liked to write a little bit she had written some uh, articles for uh, some religious magazines even submitted them she had a desire she just thought I got religious I'm doing better now I didn't know how to explain it I didn't know. I didn't know the terms. I didn't know it. All I knew was something happened. I was different. And me and Jerry, we have this thing with God. That's what I thought. Me and Jerry, we're the only ones who have this relationship with God. That's what I thought. I didn't think anybody else could have this. I mean, that's childlike faith, right? 
We have some, me and Jerry have something going with God, special. Crazy thoughts, I know, but that's what I thought. Well, it wasn't uh, a few months later, I actually uh, got a different job. Uh, this other job came along, it paid more money, and off I went. And I left Jerry behind, and we were still in the Catholic Church. But somehow, even though I didn't really know how to express to Kathy what was going on and what was happening, and she started listening to Christian radio. And she started listening to this Baptist preacher. And uh, Baptists can preach the gospel too. And she actually started listening every day to that same preacher on the radio. And after a while, she figured out, he keeps saying the same thing. What I have to do. And she did it. And so she got born again through the preaching on the radio. God, God can, if God can use a Catholic priest to, to wake somebody up, he can use a Baptist preacher on the radio for sure. Well, now my wife was born again. I was born again. And, uh, well, we ended up leaving the Catholic Church. Ended up in an evangelical church. And uh, that, that was the place for us to go. As baby Christians just coming out of the Catholic system, it was a place for us to grow. We could go to Bible studies. We, we engaged in a Bible study. And the Lord started showing us things. You know, the new job I got, I was working at Harley-Davidson. Even that was a good experience. So I'll tell you why. I met other Christians there. Again, I was working third shift. And I met other Christians who were also working there, third shift, and we started having prayer meetings at 3 o'clock in the morning. That was the night watch. And we prayed for other people in the plant. We prayed that people would come to the Lord. We prayed for each other. And we were from different church settings. At the time, we were in an evangelical church, and, and there was some brothers there from a charismatic church and a Baptist church, and there was different. There was half a dozen of us. Different. I don't think one of us was from the same kind of church. We only had one rule. No speaking in tongues. And, and hey, that wasn't our, that wasn't our degree to... But we prayed. We prayed every night. And you know what happened? People got saved. We, we actually kind of uh, would work together and, and uh, target people and uh, just all kind of get at them at different times. And, and people came to the Lord in the workplace. I didn't know any better. That's... That was my experience. That's, is that how it's supposed to be? That's how it was. We grew. My wife and I grew. We learned things. The Lord worked in our hearts. Started showing us different things about modesty. The, the woman's covering. Uh, love for our children. We started homeschooling. Um, even the theology that was taught in the church. That's not what we were reading in the Bible and studying and we were kind of at odds with what we were learning in the church. Calvin's teaching coming through. And that at some point we had, to, we had to move on. But God did a lot of things in our life. There's, I, could, I could go on for a long time yet until I get to the place where we are now. But God was doing a lot of work in our lives, and he was changing us, and, and, and we just we needed to find a church. We felt like we needed to find a church that believed what we already believed. And we came across some of Brother Danny's tapes and listened to them. And they, we got a hold of some other the tapes from the ministry there. And lo and behold, these people believed like us. 
Because we didn't believe like what the church we were in was teaching. And what a breath of fresh air. I want to share one more thing. Just a couple minutes here. Something that happened while I was working at Briggs and Stratton. Just to show you, just to show you what God's power can do. I already knew that God was powerful. He can bring a lightning storm if somebody asks for a show of his power. Is that just a coincidence? I don't think so. It wasn't. It wasn't. So here I am. I'm working at Briggs & Stratton or Harley-Davidson. And uh, had these prayer meetings and knew other Christians at work. And we were in a church and we were moving along in the Lord. And, and in uh, 2001, uh, there had been a presidential election just a year before. Uh, President George W. Bush was going to be coming for a, a visit to the, the plant I was working at. And uh, I knew I was well aware of it. In fact, at one point, a couple of weeks before President Bush was supposed to come, uh, some of us in the maintenance department went, went around with Secret Service agents through the building because we knew the building, we, we serviced the building, and so we could direct them to different places, mechanical rooms and things like that because they wanted to check out the security. So I was well aware of what was, what was all going to take place, and I knew the date. So, so I was praying, Lord... If I get a chance to talk to the president, I don't want to waste words. What should I say? What should I say to the president of the United States if I get a chance to talk to him in one minute or 30 seconds, what, however long it is? And so I prayed and prayed and prayed. What should I say? Well, as it turned out, the day that President uh, George W. Bush came to the plant, uh, shook a lot of hands. In fact, the uh, ser- Secret Service agents were getting a little bit upset because he was spending too much time there. He was, he, you know, they have schedules, and he was only supposed to be there an hour, and was, he was already there an hour and 15 minutes, and he was still shaking hands. You know, They just stopped working. Everybody, the, the line shut down, and everybody just kind of lined the, the aisle, and he was making his way through the, the whole plant, and... And there I was standing there, and he came up, and I, I shook his hand. And I said to him, Mr. President, I have a word from the Lord. And I don't, I don't think he really took me seriously. But I said, Mr. President, here, here's what I need to tell you. Pray for the prayers of this nation. Ask the people to pray. That was it. And his answer to that was, it's the prayers of the people that sustain me. That's what he said. That was 2001, August. September 11th. I should say September 12th. He was asking for the prayers of this nation. That was the day after 9-11. The towers came down. Is that a coincidence? Is it? Is that a coincidence? I don't claim to be a prophet. But I asked the president this one thing. And he ended up doing just that. You know, when we seek the Lord and we ask Him, when we ask, He responds. When we ask for things according to His word, He responds. I asked for a word to give to a government leader, and He responded. And all that, God's in control. He's Supreme. He is all sufficient.
I thank the Lord for what he's done. And there's many more things I could share. But somehow he's got me to this place. And I'm here today. I thank the Lord.